what's up listeners dave and ben here hey um before we get to this next episode um we are announcing the launch of our patreon page which is going to be um patreon.com slash consensus unreality um in which you'll be able to sign up for a couple different tiers of membership. Um, and it's going to include um, some exclusive episodes every month, which is going to be something that we're going to start doing, um, especially with multi-part um, episodes. Um, yep. You'll also have access to an exclusive Q&A um, that we're going to try and do every month. Um, yeah. Uh, kind of a, a live Q and A, right? Yeah. Yeah, and we'll we'll have um, a bunch of different other exclusive perks, um, a topic suggestion box if you choose the second tier. <laughs> yeah, so maybe you can dictate what we do. Yep, and exclusive interviews and first dibs on upcoming consensus on reality merchandise with a special discount too so there's a bunch of perks in there um we're basically asking for this um the it, the first tier starts at like five dollars a month which is a, you know the price of a latte um and we're asking for your support just to help us out with our you know audible accounts books that we're purchasing documentaries or we're renting to compile all this research for this insane stuff right just uh normal upkeep type cost um yeah going towards hosting type stuff just like you know the very the minimal costs that we put out to run this podcast and you know it's a way to join the metaphysical club that we are establishing (laughs) yeah uh yeah, we're not we're not on Brainiac level, but um it also is uh this does require a bit of work um in in like I mentioned before compiling this stuff. So we do appreciate your support. We hope you can join us on that and um get get uh access to the exclusive content. Like the second part of this coming episode is going to be patreon only so those perks are going to start kicking in really soon yeah all the uh all the kind of dark material will probably be hidden in the (laughs) patreon uh but that's that's the stuff you want to hear so yeah sign up uh if you want we would really appreciate it yep thanks and uh here's the next episode the number 11, why is it called 11 and not 21, like 22, 33, 20, like 11, who thought of that? Don't like it. The ocean, how is it so deep? Why is it so deep? Don't get it. I just don't understand space. I just don't get it. Like, I just, what? It just confuses me. Name of things, who looked at something and was like, that's the sky? What? This, I don't, things I just don't understand. Welcome to episode 12 of Consensus Unreality, which is still a podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, today we are diving deep, deep, deep into <laughs> the hollow earth. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
Love it. Yeah. Um, it's the best kind of best kind of earth. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of funny. We're doing a remote episode here, which yeah is a sort of a new venture, but we're gonna go for it and keep it keep it all safe. Yep. Against the this it, is the the invisible the first virus. Zoom. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> the first Zoom Congress. Yep. And um I would say that um so the premise of this episode was initially going to be concerning Antarctica and um conspiracies involving Antarctica um specifically involving um Admiral Byrd's missions. Well, I guess both poles. Yeah. Yeah, he flew over the North Pole too, right? First, well, that's a, yeah, that's a big part of, I guess, the episode too, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, in preparation, um, I think we all gathered a bunch of different um things for this one. Um, one of which was a new-ish Linda Moulton Howell documentary. How? Yeah, Linda Moulton Howell. Howell. <laughs> Linda Moulton Howell. Yeah, she's a werewolf. Yeah. How? Yeah. I'm still um, saying it. I'm from. I'm just from New Jersey. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't. I didn't get to see that one. Um. Yeah. Uh. Which was getting into secret space program stuff in Antarctica. Um. But nice. yes. So what? So where do you guys want to start here? Um. Uh, I read the uh, the book Arctos by Jocelyn Godwin, uh, which is all about the polar myth. And so, you know, just occult and mythological and parapolitical happenings at uh, both poles of the earth. And I read a bit of uh, Alone by Richard E. Byrd, um, the aforementioned adventurer, explorer, yeah. Mason. Did you find any like crazy tidbits in there? Because that's not you know, yeah. the diary. That's like the autobiography. It's from. It's mostly from diaries. Uh, I guess. I mean, I was. I've been looking into the, the missing diary of Admiral Byrd, and I think it's pretty much definitely not written by him because the writing style is so different. It's like really it seems bad. to be a fake. Yeah, it wasn't um, published until like '96 or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was published in like the mid '90s. I would love to have a copy because it's kind of a fun hoax, but it's definitely not written by him, which is not to say that some of the claims in it about like his entering into the uh, hollow earth aren't you know true. It could be, but I, I think the diary is fake. Oh, we should add that we are joined again by Mike Bruno. Yep. Thanks for coming on. Hello. Mike. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, in that, uh, questionable diary is where he supposedly claims that he was chased out by a bunch of ufos right right yeah i I love that i mean that's like that could only have been written post star wars though that's like not not like something a person from the 40s would would say i mean maybe i'm wrong yeah were you are you guys aware that the conventional wisdom is that bird didn't actually reach the north pole um he he ran out of fuel right and there's, of course, like the legend is that he, so it, either way it's documented that he was um, basically having engine troubles and like hovering around for about three hours 
which is unaccounted for. And that is when people plug in that he was drawn into this opening at the North Pole and encountered um, a, a lush green landscape, which is going to get into the hollow earth conspiracy stuff. Um, yeah. And then people I mean, say he, he encountered beings. He saw like, yeah. you know, all kinds of fauna and creatures and stuff. Yeah. I, it, that's all from like the, the missing diary thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, at this yeah. point it's like folkloric, you know? And right. Totally. And I love, I love that. I mean, I think, and then there's like real conspiracy-ish connections with with Bird too, like the whole, uh, the what is that Operation High Jump, like mm-hmm. all of that. Um, so I don't know if we can rule out that there's some kind of like hidden, hidden like adventures in the North Pole with him. Either way, there's that's what's so interesting about this topic is that it's so secretive, and I don't know if you guys watched any of the like there was movies made about high jump like there was um, a lot of film footage and there's sort of like interviews that seem like mock meetings between eisenhower and bird and um his pilot i forget his pilot's name now who who died after the first couple flights yeah um but it, it just seems like this old style like propaganda fabrication but there's a hell of a lot else going on there. Like, totally. I guess we can talk initially about if we're gonna start with Bird, we could talk a little bit about the funding um, and how the first pole polar flight came to be it was funded by uh, Ro- Rockefeller, right? John D. Or, Rockefeller. Yeah. Um, and was Ford involved with the, with the early stuff? Ford gave the plane and funded it. Um, right, and there's going to be some a lot of Nazi connections here because this yeah. whole, this story is not complete unless you get into the the Nazi mythos of um, actually physically going to Antarctica, performing their own expeditions, um, purportedly creating naval bases there, and then it you know how far you yeah. want to go down the rabbit hole it goes into the whole nazi ufo program right. they, they had set up a neue schwabenland right um so that was the the expe- the nazis had their own antarctic um expedition which was called neue schwabenland which was a reference to creating like a a new land, like a new utopia for the their rediscovering of the Aryan race or whatever. Right. Which has its all these ties to mythology. And I think what we're going to do here, because um, in sort of researching for this topic, I think we all came to find that there's a lot, a lot more involved than just Antarctica. Um, yep. So we're going to do a, we're going to get into the the whole Nazi mythos and and sort of contextualize what's going on there with that whole UFO folklore um in episode 2 of what will be a multi-parter. Yeah. Here. Um yeah. Does that uh, mean we're not going to talk about the real society and fool society? We're going to me- we're going to mention them here 
in this yeah. episode, but I think we're going to really go deep into that stuff next episode because I think we kind of realize that that whole topic is going to deserve like its own whole more than an hour, you know, because there's so much there and the, the funding and then the sort of, uh, I have to stop saying sort of, that's what I realized in making a podcast, but the, um, yeah, all of the assets being um, moved around after the fall of the Third Reich. And then there's the whole supposed quote-unquote Fourth Reich um, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess stuff. we should that get largely, it. Yeah. And that's in Antarctica largely, right? The Fourth Reich. Yo. And here at home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that all depends how you're looking at it, my friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so maybe, yeah, we're gonna yeah we'll have to get into the the Nazi stuff. Uh, but I think a, li- a little bit we should, but not too much today. Today, yeah, we're gonna we're, we should talk first a little bit about what is the Hollow Earth theory? Where does that come from, and what mm-hmm. kind of mythos did that create? Because it had a pretty strong scientific. Um, it had strong scientific ramifications in its time. Yeah. I mean, um, the the progenitor of this theory comes from Haley, who's known for Haley's Comet. Yeah. And then it was um, it was picked up by what is that? Sim? Sim? How do you say his Sims, name? Sims, yeah. Uh in he's kind of uh popularized by Edward Bulwer Lighton, right? And that's real in the coming. Right. That's definitely where the where the Vril stuff came from. There's no like earlier mention of it mm-hmm. unless you like want to translate it to like chi or like some other kind of like force of energy. But yeah, Bulwer Lighten was the first uh but I think the Hollow Earth stuff may have predated that slightly. Oh no, sci- uh, no, it's predated by a while cuz Haley's when, in, know, Haley's in the 1600s. Is he he's in this yeah and and he was like was he the like the concentric orbs kind of person yeah yeah um yeah that the so his theory was essentially that the earth was um like a series of rotating um disc kind of plates um and and this is like it, it all sounds like pseudoscience now but at the time Haley obviously um discovered the trajectory of the Haley's comet and he um, basically published Newton's first works, and um, so this was this was kind of like a this was a the Hollow Earth theory was a big thing in its time, and I think then you also have all this different mythology. So you have yeah. the Agartha legend, you have Valhalla, you have Shambhala, um, and there's yeah. there and even like so this the Hopi supposedly have um, a mythos of people coming out of the earth. Right. It's also maybe important to distinguish between like cavern lore and like underworld lore and like Mm -hmm. actual, like, uh, although I think they're related. Yeah. Um, And I think with, if we get into like the Shaver, the Richard Shaver uh, mythos that has a lot to do with like um, hollow earth, but also kind of like hell right like uh, underworld stuff mm-hmm. um dante's inferno 
Right, of course. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Going into the earth. And I, I think, to me, scientifically, the hollow earth thing is interesting because, you know, some of it sounds ridiculous that the earth is actually just, like, if you, if you think about it on a base level, the earth is hollow. It kind of sounds preposterous to what we know about the mantle down to the core of the earth at this point. But then yeah. you have a discovery like in 2014, um, scientists say that they discovered that there's a deposit of water um, about 400 feet feet below the earth, or 4,000 4, rather, yeah. that ha- it contains an amount of water that is three times the size of all of our oceans combined. Right. I learned about that today too. Yeah. And and under yeah. the ice under the ice deposits in it Antarctica, there's, you know, massive caverns where the temperature is a lot warmer than um than it is above the ice, obviously. And and below that you have to imagine there's all sorts of like thermal caverns and stuff with different temperatures. Right. And so you have to wonder is is like bird making a claim that he flew over and saw a massive crater going below the ice. And he said, quote unquote, a Greenland beyond the ice. We don't know if this is actually attributed to him or not. Right. But is that, can that be scientifically plausible knowing what we know now? Um, And then is it logistically plausible that the Nazis, which we'll talk about later, is it logistically plausible that they were able to industrially create massive military bases in Antarctica in that time frame. Yeah, like well, they're able to create military bases underneath all sorts of places, right? Yep. Like all of our military bases that are in question in the U.S. are underground, right? Yeah, and right. The, the Nazis ha- had like the most sophisticated navy at the time. They were able to mobilize industry in Spain and in Holland using all of their ports. They were, they were able to create like a, a ferocious naval presence from like 26 to four to, you know, 38 or whatever in that time frame, basically control any ocean they wanted, you know? So is there the potential that they were able to mobilize this sort of like industrial effort at the pole? I think I guess, so. Yeah, I guess it depends if you, I mean, yeah, how large of a task that is compared to constructing a, a base under your own country, like um, in these extreme conditions. I Yeah, I'm sure it's possible, but well, I, guess, I don't know. Yeah, they'd have to have like a really, they'd have to have a great reason for it. And I'm not sure if like the mythology of like the polar origin of the Aryans is... I mean, I guess, you know, like, what is the, what do you call it, the strategic purpose of Antarctic bases? I think there is a great strategic purpose of it. Um, you're, you have a trajectory to any direction on Earth from that mm. point. Yeah. Um, and I think that this is substantiated by high jump. I think it was recognized sure. by FDR that there, the, the Nazis making an effort to go there to explore and bring, you know, a naval presence there was a threat. And I think that's why Bird was sent there the second time for Operation High Jump with our own 
sort of naval presence and, um, you know, a representation of naval um, planes, too. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. They had also gone there to set up uh, weather collection sites as well. Right. Um, Yeah. Um, What is that little America, um, the the U.S. That was, I guess, our first base that we had set up. Um, yeah, what was the purpose of that? Like, just for exploration, or was that was that a wartime base? I, I can't remember. I think it was, and I and yeah, I mean, I guess we should get into you know who was Admiral Byrd too, and there's all mm-hmm. these strange connections because Byrd was a 33rd degree Mason. Hell yeah! <laughs> I mean, they, one of the first things they did when they got there, um, in high jump, I believe, was put Masonic flags. And a fez. And a fez. <laughs> right. They set up lodge number 777. Right. If I'm yeah. not mistaken. Love that. Um, I mean, yeah, people love uh, love the numbers shit. Yeah. 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 And then, um, uh, sorry, I blanked there. Got light shovels. Um, yeah, Little America, there, there was not only the first one, but I think it went up to Little America 5, which was... Operation right. High Jump was the fifth Little America that was set up. Yeah, <laughs> it's all these Little Americas running I guess around. they just started disappearing or something as the ice shifted, and they just huh. had to keep remaking Little America. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess that's actually, I mean, because today we're seeing all this, you know, climate change stuff, and so the whole Antarctic, like, hidden ancient civilizations is kind of coming back into... Uh, the popular consciousness. Um, yeah. There's all kinds all of All the ice will melt and uh, Atlantis yeah. will rise out of it. Right. And, yeah. and that's going to be the premise for the third part of this series. <laughs> you think so? This is all on the fly. I think, um, no, it's it's not even because it, it got me thinking. That's a, yeah. And, and it's like you have to create a premise for the whole antediluvian story because that's, that's true. wrapped up in Antarctica too. Right. Yeah, well, and the Arctic as well. A lot of people, like the Hyperborean stuff, people mm-hmm. like kind of equated that with Atlantis at certain times and not as well, you know. To go back to uh, um, Leighton's real story, uh, the um, really, uh, the people there uh, who lived underground were remnants of, uh, of Atlantis. That's right. what they claim in the book. Right. right. Um, angelic alien dwellers of... Internet. And he was he was kind of like a like Bulwer Lighton was obviously pre World War Two. Uh, yeah, so I think it was he, published in eighteen seventy one. Right, so he wasn't like a, a a fascist in that sense, but he was like kind of an aristocratic figure who like wrote this allegorical tale about like a hidden elite coming back to sort of set the world straight with their uh, power. Is interesting, right? right. And he was a. Uh, he he may have been a Rosicrucian, but he like wrote Zanoni, right. a Zanoni. Rosicrucian tale. Yeah, and, I actually uh, really like that book. <laughs> yeah, me yeah. too. I thought it was excellent. And uh, um, yeah, the Theosophists yeah. love uh, the real story. They, uh, I bet they do. It. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's really interesting. Um, I guess maybe we'll talk about this more in the episode focusing on the whole Nazi occult thing. But yeah, uh, the the like the, the occult esoteric. Uh, aspect of nazism did come out of the same sort of soil as theosophy and obviously grew into a 
I mean, I mean, Hitler himself, I don't think was that much of an occultist. I mean, people will argue about that, but I think he had like a, an interest in the power of its symbology as opposed to like being a student of, of it the way like maybe Hess was or like, Hess um, or Himmler. Yeah. Yeah. Who were like actual, I think devotees of this like uh, Germanic paganism slash like Ariosophy, I guess they called it right. The Guido von Liszt, mm-hmm. uh, who sort of perverted theosophy into like a a racial spirituality. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It also it makes me wonder how much um, the Vril concept is influenced by Ignatius Loyola Donnelly's Atlantis, the Antediluvian World, mm. which I think only. Pre- when did that come out? Um, I'm going to say like 1860 something. So that was in the air. And and there were people in the early, uh, 19th century writing about like, uh, man's origin, like at a, in a polar, uh, like supercontinent that has since disappeared. Like there's a big thing in the air at the time of people wanting to find an alternative to the Judeo-Christian origin of humanity. So they were kind of you know, coming up with all these alternative, like the people didn't want humanity to have started in like the Euphrates Valley or whatever. Yeah. So they were finding, they were looking for origins in Asia. They were looking for origins in India and that tied in with all the Aryan, uh, Indo Aryan theories that sort of gave rise to Nazism. It's, it's really fascinating how these kind of like speculative pseudoscientific, uh, trains of thought end up in these like weird, like kind of like miles away political projects like a hundred years later. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. Um, Atlantis, the antediluvian world is 1882 and Vril is 1871. Yeah. But I would have to imagine that Donnelly's work was probably permeating a little bit before it got published. I think that there were other Atlantis books too, especially in uh, France and stuff like that. I think a lot of people were talking about this. Like, I think Bulwer Lighten was kind of like, yeah, in the same like class of thinkers as Donnelly, mm-hmm. um, and so, like like during the same era. I mean, probably like similar reading, you know, like reading similar books. Yeah, he's famous for the phrase "the pen is mightier than the sword." Right. Um and then of course you have yeah. the the um the fifteen thirty one Orantis Phineas had a map that depicted Antarctica without ice on it. Mm. And it's basically the exact shape of the continent and it's placed it's the, like the Piri Reese map? That's a different map. Um the the Phineas one is even more accurate from 1531 podcast now (laughs) and and the idea is that these maps were usually copied from earlier maps right um but antarctica wasn't supposed to have been um mapped out at all for like 300 years later i don't think yeah um people like attribute that to what like viking explorers and like or like, I guess, who would that be? I guess like Vikings uh, would make sense. Latin American explorers, I guess. I mean, who would be going to a- Antarctica uh, that long ago? Um, well, Pretty far for like Nor Norwegian or like Northern European people. 
the first time it was acknowledged by the Western world was in 1773. That's so funny. That's after our country was founded. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> no, wait, right before. Uh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get it, it was it was obviously known of. Right. Sure. But it um, takes people forever to like acknowledge things like officially. Yeah. Um. Huh. So, yeah. So I'm reading this uh, Arctos book by Jocelyn Godwin, um, subtitled "The Polar Myth in Science, Symbolism, and Nazi Survival." So, but the whole first part of this book is mostly about like people like Plato and other ancient philosophers having this idea that there used to be like inhabitants of the poles sort of, and that the earth used to be in a golden time, like a golden age golden where age, yeah. the, whatchamacallit, the, there was no tilt to the earth. So like everything was even about the cycles of the years and the days. And it was like this time of like, you know, these crazy like animals could live at the polar regions because it was, there was no like seasons in the way we had them now. It's just kind of like this, I think it was one of those sort of like, you know, thought experiments that those ancient philosophers would do. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people later took that and run, like ran with it, especially when we get like towards theosophical times, like towards that kind of project of like thinking about the, the world in terms of like, uh, the Indian, like yugas or whatever. Um, those cycles well you also have charles hapgood's theory what was what did he say well hapgood is is known for the polar shifts oh yeah um and you know if within his theory of crustal displacement that around the time of the um first ice age there was a catastrophic catastrophic event which displaced the um some of the tectonic plates but Mm. previous to that it's the idea that um, Antarctica was, could have been inhabited and wasn't covered by ice, and then there was something to disp- like displace the the plate. Mm. Um, and then there, that's also kind of theories about like the magnetic north and stuff like that. Right, how that'll flip and stuff, or like, and that causes catastrophe. Mm-hmm. But then, I mean, yeah. not to completely divulge the. Um, Atlantis antediluvian world like theory because I don't think we want to go completely down that right now and, and I don't even think we've totally prepared to but yeah. at the same time um, so there's this this idea that around um, roughly like 12,000 BC to 10,500 that there could have been an, an, a sort of advanced society um, that was destroyed in some sort of catastrophe. And this is where a lot of the flood myths come from. And this is where the Atlantis myth comes from. Um, but the funny thing is that a lot of the uh, stone monuments and structures around the world, the dates keep getting pushed back to around this time. Um, so it does kind yeah. of lend itself to some sort of, a lot. let's say a lot more... Um, connectivity than had previously been thought totally yeah yeah that's, that's very interesting yeah that's like and 
that's something I kind of have been like keeping track of over the years. Like, especially I feel like in the last 10 years or so, just like the theory of, yeah, human travel, like ancient humans, like migration and like maybe like, especially when people first ended up in America, mm-hmm. they keep change, like changing, changing it. Or there's a lot of like controversy where you'd think, right. you'd think it would be something that's like relatively possible to, to understand. It's, it's crazy. I mean, even what I think I might've mentioned this in a previous episode somehow, I have no idea how, but, um, in, uh, you know, in school we're taught that people came to America over the Bering Strait. Um, and this is called the Clovis first theory, but we now, I think that was maybe, was that in the Q episode for some reason? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now we know that, um, that's not true. There's earlier, there's a lot of earlier sites closer to the East coast. So people probably migrated up the Mississippi or something like that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't, we don't have a history for this probably cause we ignored so much native mythos and, and, and lore to begin with. Yeah. Um, but it's really interesting because I think this this idea of an antediluvian world gets tossed out as as being ridiculous, and then these sites, the dates, keep getting older and older as we learn more. Yeah, totally. Um, Interesting anecdote about the Bering Strait is uh, that the last Civil War battle happened in the Bering Strait, and it was a naval battle where the uh, Confederate ship Susquehanna, no, not Susquehanna, Shenandoah, uh, was still active after the Civil War was technically over. Whoa! Damn. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, where is that? Uh, it's like Alaska. It's where like crabbing and whaling happens. I think huh. the ship was really. Um, I don't want to go too far off topic, but I think the ship was basically trying to like mess up uh, trading for Union ships. Oh. Um, wow. So they were going after whaling ships. <laughs> That's. That's crazy. Um, so what? Maybe we should get back to Admiral Byrd a little bit. Um, if yeah. he's he's kind of the fo- the focus of this episode, I guess, and his his links to High Jump, and then also his links to the contemporary uh, Hollow Earth theory. Um, I, I watched a, a short documentary, um, and I think Dave, did you watch that too? Yeah, yeah, I caught that today. Yeah. Um, about this. I guess it was about the preparation of this like little hollow earth society. It was, what was it like the international society for a complete earth I think. <laughs> yeah, um, society for a complete earth. I love that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it was a really quaint, really, really charming documentary. I thought actually, um, but yeah. yeah, it was about them preparing to try to recreate birds uh, pass over the North pole. Um, I don't and I don't know. I think it was probably from like the eighties or nineties that documentary. So yeah. I wonder if they ever did it. I didn't follow up. <laughs> Does do, when's the last time somebody f- has flown over the North Pole? Maybe it was them. I don't know. I actually don't know. Which but, is something we should have looked up. I guess. Yeah. It's probably last Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Um, yeah, I can't believe we didn't do any Santa research. That's like a basic part of polar mythos. True. <laughs> and it's almost seasonal at this point. That's um, true. Yeah, and it involves elves. 
Yeah. Wow. We really fucked up. We could have, yeah, St. Nicholas. Um, oh, well. Uh, part four. Right. That'll be part four for Christmas. Um, elves and his hallucinogenic mushroom outfit or whatever people say. Like, he's supposed to be like the the fly alaric or whatever because of the red and the white. Yeah, I mean, I get. I guess people fly over it now, but there's a lot of risks because there's not really anywhere to land and stuff. Yeah. Um, well, I guess that's why he turned back or whatever. He ran out of fuel. Or he got. He went down into the caverns. Or, or right, yeah. The dinos took him in and taught him <laughs> some dino facts. <laughs> well, the North Pole is is really just, just like it's. There's no land supposedly. It's just frozen at certain points of the year right yeah whereas yeah. the south pole just has an Antarctica, which is yeah more than one landmass right. covered in right it. right it's the the arctic sea up there i guess right or and the arctic ocean mm-hmm. um and there's i mean there's greenland is greenland like that's land right there's that's, land under there yeah that's a bit that's a little bit of a ways though yeah, yeah but th- that's part of greenland is part of the like the north pole as such right I don't think so, man. I think the the Arctic ice sheet is is an island on its own. Huh. I mean, we're, that... we're just going to make ourselves sound fucking stupid as hell. No, <laughs> I, I know basic geography. <laughs> I know. I know shit. <laughs> I have no idea, actually. I know that it's up there, though. And, like, parts of, like, way northern Canada are, are parts of the Arctic, like, mm-hmm. well, ecology, the Arctic, right? You're talking about the Arctic Circle, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I'm not talking about like the North Pole itself. Right. Which right. yeah, I guess that's just that's not ocean, is it? It's just an ice sheet. Yeah, it's just an ice sheet. Yeah. Um I pr- think very it melts seasonally. Right. Or something. Maybe that would be I mean So I think it'd be hard for there to be like an entrance into hollow earth unless you went under the water in the North Pole. That's true. Um Well in so that goes back to Sim's theory that at the North Pole and the South Pole, there's two holes that go into the center of the Earth. Right, and, and the, one's positive and one's negative. Right, and the Earth is kind of shaped like a donut, and you'll see this great... Mon- and, and when Sims made this theory, um, there was a ton of ridicule. Like, even the newspapers of the day thought it was like the ramblings of a madman. It was kind of ridiculous. But then there was some some substantiation from other like politicians and stuff. Right. They they wanted to investigate, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, the holes at the poles. Holes at the poles. we had a uh, we had yeah we had birds sort of rockefeller forward funded north northern journeys and then we had his uh naval funded 
most famous one at the uh, South Pole or the Antarctic. Yeah, and the cri- um, and it's high and, jump. And John D. Rockefeller of Standard Oil. Standard Oil gets into providing a lot of the oil for the Third Reich, and then you have Henry Ford, who is has published his own. Um, like newspaper yeah newspaper articles and stuff that were anti-semitic i guess he's involved in the protocols yeah he republished the protocols of yeah he is the he is the personal enemy of the podcast yeah and and ford was like hitler ford was hitler's hero he apparently had like a life-size portrait of henry ford (laughs) said this is like Uh, the epitome of you know the 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 whatever standing up to this like semitic thing right. or whatever um so ford funds admiral bird's mission which is kind of curious you know because there's this dual interest in going to the poles and it, yeah. you, you have to assume that ford was privy of the nazi interest in it totally stuff. he was i think he was um pre- i mean he was definitely pretty well in contact with nazi people right um he was given that honor i think but that was a little bit later in like 38 or something probably but he was given the highest honor of a non-german citizen (laughs) right so yeah i imagine he had friends that were nazis um yeah there's tons i mean that whole aspect of the funding and the dark money and we're gonna get into the dulles brothers and Probably yeah. get, get our computers turned off and stuff. Um, right, the, the Fourth Reich within the CIA. <laughs> yeah, that um, stuff comes comes beyond the paywall, beyond the paywall of ice. <laughs> yeah. Um, we got a what? sneezing cat in there. Um, yes. <laughs> this is funny because we have video and the listeners do not. Yeah. But. Um, what was I going to say? I had something else to say about uh, Ford? Birdman. Um, we're talking about. I don't know what. Uh, wait, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if I missed anything while I let the cat out, but um, didn't the Nazis like know that Bird was there during Operation High Jump and like reach out to him? They reached out to him for the New Schwabenland expedition, and apparently right. he went to Germany. And they were trying to get him to lead it because they knew he had been there, but that was before High Jump. That was um, before High Jump. Yeah, okay. they they do Neuschwabenland. He declines, um, and then High Jump is seems like it was a response to the Neuschwabenland expedition, which in itself is is completely weird. Like though, it's it's like you mentioned before, Ben. If Germany is involved in like a multi front warfare in Europe. And they just send like a whole, a pretty large expedition of like a lot of, you know. Yeah, and engineers and like yeah. some of their, they, they would need some of their best people to, because that's like no mean feat to even like have like a base of operations out there. Like right. a pretty basic, th- I mean, it's definitely possible, but. You need ma- massive ships to just get, break through the ice, you know. Right. Yeah, you need like, and then like all that stuff about like. Uh, I watched that the Secret Land documentary or whatever that like uh, it was contemporary with like I think was it Operation High Jump or one of those expeditions, mm-hmm. and they had to like plow and like use dynamite to like get even like a mile like it took like right. days 
So it's just like, it's a huge feat. Massive and, undertaking yeah. in the midst of a world war, a multi-front right. world war. It's really crazy to think about. So, I mean, if you, no matter if you think there's a reptilian presence under the hollow earth or it's just like some dark military thing that was happening, there is something to it. Like there was a lot going on. And yeah, I, yeah. I think we could get into some other stuff later too. But there's there's like new like many countries have detonated nukes in Antarctica at this point. Right. There's been a lot yeah, of nuclear a, yeah. testing and ionospheric research stuff. Yeah, that stuff's creepy. Yep. Like cuz they don't really they're doing it to see what would happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is like <laughs> it's like that's it's that's everybody. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean they we we went back in 52. Um and I think I'm not sure if Bird went, but Bird might have been might have gotten ill from I think from like carbon monoxide like out of a yeah. stove or something. Oh, right, that was that's in the book alone. That's like his his solo uh, time. I forget where. Just like he's just like out somewhere like pretty far even from Little America, just like out of like a solo place. And, and yeah, the, the the gas stove starts leaking, and he starts uh having he like has like a psychotic episode right and um is alone and that's where that like famous passage of him seeing like a star that's too bright that, that he feels right. like he's communicating with him yeah and so that's where like the ufo myth kind of comes into it well it's a, the quotes from that are really crazy like he says that he's being beckoned by this star that is changing from you know, a blaring red orange to a silver disc and it like yeah. phases in and out and he feels like it's ca- it's beckoning him. Right. It's really beautiful and like terrifying. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, the, yeah, the, the, con- the conventional wisdom on that is that he was very ill from, yeah, from being poisoned by, I'm not sure if it was carbon monoxide or, just like gas uh, from his heat there. Is it but at that point when he sees that image? It's within like the, because that was happening for like, I think a while. <laughs> it's like within that time frame of when he's sort of, and he's like been alone. For, he's like alone for like a year or something like that. Like with no one, like for hundreds of miles, it's kind of like he was under a lot of pressure, but that doesn't mean he didn't see some kind of crazy like UFO, you know, I'm not, I'm not the kind of person who's going to be like, he definitely didn't. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think during deep freeze, which was like when they went back in the early fifties, they detonated three low yield, um, nukes. And like, what's that? You know, you're the first thing you do when you get there after world war two is, <laughs> is quote nuclear testing. Like, Right. They were really like, well, they were doing that everywhere after World War II. Yeah. They were like, I mean, we're going to get into all kinds of like parapolitical weirdness if we start talking about about that, which maybe we'll save or, or not, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, nukes everywhere. Nukes in Nevada, nukes in the islands, um, just to see what would happen, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like a lot of these... Uh, expeditions are just fronts for testing and you know other nefarious purposes right yeah um i think yeah most most things are like that in in military work there's usually like several reasons for any one action 
Yeah. Um, and so when when the Germans go back, for, I mean, when the Germans go for Neuschwabenland and and you know, like I mentioned, we'll talk about the mythology behind that in the following episode. But from you know a military standpoint, they apparently set up a base there, which was called Station Two Eleven, um, and their one of their lead admirals, Carl Dernitz, um, had famously said that they built a Shangri-La, um, an impregnable, impregnable fortress, um, and a true paradise on earth. So this is where that inkling of, you know, a a massive, um, military base being constructed and sort of like, uh, also creating, basically an auxiliary um, habitat for the, the Third Reich, you know, leaving Germany and, and, and creating this stronghold in Antarctica. In, in Antarctica. Um, yeah. Yeah. Huh. I mean, yeah, there's... And the, the reason for... I mean, like you said before, there's definite strategic advantages to both... Arctic and Antarctic uh, military bases, just like people are very seriously thinking about uh, moon bases right now, like, or um, low earth or orbit, like stuff, like mm-hmm. weird, like spy set, like, you know, there's strategic reasons for anything like that, but you have a to lot of the... Like, imagine how how well you'd be able to hide everything under the massive ice caverns, too, you know? Totally. Um but I, I do think that there's reason to believe that there is like mythological or like at least like mythic, like psychological reasons for uh, especially yeah, w- with all that, like uh, uh, the German race, which they were trying to like really hype up at the time, even though it kind of sucks <laughs> um, that th- all that about them being like descendants of this uh, like subset of like indo-aryan like like who you know originally came from either atlantis or like this hyperborean continent all this like racial mythology which i don't think it was like a driving force behind world war ii or anything like that but i think that it was like in the air so much that like it could have like like swayed people to want to do these like antarctic uh expeditions especially in the in germany no i, I think it, i think it did i think that that I think that reasoning is massively intertwined with the Third Reich. I actually do think that the mythic implications were as strong as anything for them because that was all that it relied on was this pseudo mythology to the point where you have right. the uh, there's a lot of fake documents. Obviously, you mentioned the the uh, protocols, um, but then there's also that that document that they had, which was um, like a Roman historian um, writing about the 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 um, Tuluric, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Tuluric Knights and stuff. Yeah, but that was actually right. like a fake Teutonic. Or t- uh, yeah, Teutonic Tuluric currents. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, the Teutonic Knights. Yeah. Um, but that was actually a forgery. But that that was to the <laughs> point where like some th- this guy was held up in Italy, and Italy being Germany's allies at the time. Um, Himmler actually shows up to this guy's place because he has the original document. 
and they're trying to get it from him and he's like barging himself in his in his like villa um but yeah once once the original document was um made public and available it was like completely different and it actually like was saying that the the germans were like a drunk and like frivolous yeah. like army and stuff like yeah that. incredible yeah. i love it um yeah like they're big bumbling <laughs> like they're, they're all too big but um yeah, but we right. I, it's just an example of how important this mythology and folklore was to the third right it's it's totally important i think for for them like they used it to mobilize yeah you know all those people but i don't know if it was like on the minds like i don't think that's why any of the really top like germany people i mean i think it was a pretty more like bald approach to like seeking power and just like i don't like i don't know how i know that they kind of talk about it but i'm i don't i have a hard time buying that like they had this like mystical philosophy um i think it was a you know it was useful and a lot of them believed it especially like the people who were in the, the tula society and like the all that all that bull but well in apparently in one of the documentaries i watched in hitler's second book he like has a dedication to like the head of the tula society when was that yeah because i know he had a break with them like before the war um he because uh, yeah. he was he was kind of purging secret societies in general that weren't the ss um or like certain other like actual nazi things he was but he was super influenced by um by people who were in that society like before the war yeah so it's it's, it's part of it but i also imagine like he would just grew insane and extremely paranoid and probably turned on everyone around him but the mobilizing effort to begin with like that was everything uh, totally. the, that that society and and the apparent real society too i mean yeah i'm still skeptical i mean i'm still skeptical about the real society existing in like a yeah. really big way right um i think it's mostly uh like a post-war fabrication based on light lighten's novel um but maria maria orsic is like a real person totally yeah. I just don't know like if they had any like they may have been like a séance circle or something, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. But I don't know if they were like a society in the way that like some of the other occult Nazi societies actually existed. Well, that's um, what, that's one of the things I find super interesting about this is there's a whole alternative history about um a Nazi propulsion and like UFO um, field that it's we have no idea if it's true or not but there's the Foo Fighters there's the Nazi Bell right um, Der Glocke yeah De uh, which is fun to say which comes from this real society society that we're talking about where apparently um, this channeler Maria Orsic um, had been in contact with uh, extraterrestrial intelligences and then channels um, the technical specifications for harvesting this like anti-gravitic technology yeah. and all this stuff. Um, but the, is there like firsthand documents of her like channeling stuff? I don't really know. And, and that's, I, I think mean, that's yeah. why we're putting this off so we can 
dive really deep into it, but I think either way, the fact that this, the whole Nazi UFO thing is such a large folklore within the UFO community. Yeah. And I think that's interesting either way. Like, where does that come oh, totally. from if it, if it isn't substantiated at all through real documents, then where does it come from, you know? Totally. Right, right. Yeah, there are, like, theories, uh, like, on both ends about where it could come from, like, it being a real thing or it being a fabrication. And, and yeah, maybe we should just save that until there's more information at hand. Um, I, there's a lot to be said about that, and I think it's important to give it due diligence and we'll, you know, we'll do a lot yeah. of research on it because... I kind of only start, I mean, it was something that was, we obviously knew a bit about before, but you need to, you need a refresher. And I only kind of cracked the egg on it this week. Cause I didn't, I kind of forgot right. how important that is to the Antarctica story. Yeah, um, totally. Because you think you can talk about hollow earth and Antarctica and then it's like, Oh, Nazi, 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 you know, right. Right. Russia opens Russia, up Russia. so many doors. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, yeah, we're gonna have to just like have a goddamn Nazi episode, <laughs> uh, yeah, right? But whatever, you know. I guess, I guess that's a rite of passage for such a podcast as this. Right, right. Well, that's why um, it's gonna be beyond the paywall. If you want to hear us talk about Nazis, right? Beyond the paywall. That's a pretty good pun. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, so how about, uh, so hollow earth, we have, uh, we have Mr. Bird, another big hollow earth guy is Shaver who we mentioned briefly. Right. Maybe he, he should, I, I personally think he deserves like a whole episode just cause he's like such, he's a great example of a probable like hoaxer in the kind that we would talk about earlier mm-hmm. yeah. in, in the show. Um, but I mean, his stories are classic hollow earth stories like weird advanced mutant races living in giant cat like caverns under the earth. Mm-hmm. And that comes from, um, what was he out in Mount Shasta and stuff? He, maybe I know he probably said, he definitely said a few of his stories there. I forget where he was from. He was collecting those like weird rocks that he would then like, uh, turn into like rock art where he would like get his stories. Do you remember that? Like, Mm-hmm. that was like a big part of his latter career was like trying to convince people that like rocks that he found were actually like deteriorated glyphs telling of like ancient wars in like the hollow earth um which is very i mean yeah he's like an outsider artist type dude mount shasta similar to like uh the tibetan mountains is where uh theosophists believe that these adepts live within the mountains yeah yeah, and I think the the Shambhala um, mythos is a big part of the Hollow Earth stuff, and that's kind of where the, right. the Nazis and the Vril adopted a lot of that from, because they took a lot of influence from Tibet. Um, and Agartha and all that stuff. Yeah, and obviously the, the Aryan myth comes out of uh, Sanskrit and stuff, right? It's a link. Yeah, com- yeah, like, yeah, people trying desperately to find an alternate, because people assume that uh, Hebrew was like the root language of yeah. It's a language group, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> That's all it and is. so, yeah. so they, they found Sanskrit and were like, "This means that 
we're not dis- we're not the same type of people as Jews and like you know Semitic races or whatever. Right. So they like, kind of went buck wild with with once they found that out. And yeah, but I was always kind of struggling to understand why like especially in like esoteric neo-Nazism that you like see today, why they're so obsessed with like uh Indian gods and like yoga and like tantra and like stuff like that. Yoga Nazis? And, yeah, it's just yoga Nazis. <laughs> it's because it's because of this like, you know, 200 year old link to between what they thought of as like their own distinct race, you know, the Aryans and like how they split off from like the people who would become uh, the inhabitants of India. Yeah. And, and it's, so, it's just so fascinating that like, yeah, there's like, cause yeah, like that there's this sympathy between even during the war between the Nazis and certain like fascist uh, strains of Indian politics. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we talked a little bit about that in our episode, the secret destiny of America. Um, so we? if you didn't listen to that one, go back. I think we, we, we talked a little bit about the, the, the Aryan pseudo history and stuff. Yeah. 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 That's right. That's pretty, that was a pretty good episode. <laughs> Pat um, yourself on the back. There. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, we should also talk a little bit about the weirder parts of, um, it, I guess it's ufology, but not really like the whole alien races living inside of the earth coming out of the hollow earth mythos. There's the idea that like reptilians are this um, inner earth species and you'll see this in some sort of like conspiracy circles and stuff. The right. Draconians, um, and then there's David also Ike, yeah. yeah, David Ike. But then there's also like um, the Nordics, which is ties back to the Space Brothers of Adamski and Howard Menger, which we mentioned in a previous episode. Right, um, they're also supposedly related to underground bases in Antarctica, but also in like Nevada. Yeah, yeah, the. Like the Nordic type aliens, which always sat really like poorly with me and like other people kind of took it like in the UFO community, which I think used to be a bit more naive at least. I don't know than it is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They kind of were just like, yeah, they just, that's just what they look like, dude. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It's like, are you, are you sure it doesn't mean anything that like they're blonde haired, blue eyed aliens that are like super advanced. You don't think that has any parallels to like yeah. not Nazi fantasies. Like, right. Um, today it seems so obvious that that was just like, I don't know, some kind of, some kind of something. You um, think Howard Menger was just looking for love out there? I mean, I don't even know. He very like, and then there's like, you know, the Nazi UFO theory that like the reason these like early contactees were seeing people was because that they were just like people, <laughs> like they were like, uh, mm-hmm. Nazi survivor, like Nazi survivors who like right before the war ended, like had the technology to like go to like some secret base and they would come down and pretend to be aliens, <laughs> like yeah. all, all this crazy stuff. Right. Um, which yeah. I guess like, if you're like a hardline skeptic, which I'm not, you'd be like, well, that's more likely than that. They're aliens that just happen to look like people. I don't um, think that you have to be a hardline skeptic for that per se. I just think like that is more plausible 
that right. it, it is <laughs> yeah well yeah yeah but i mean also like thinking about the development of exotic technology and the secrecy surrounding exotic technologies you know like especially in aerospace we don't learn about aerospace technology till like decades after it's created and utilized and at this point we probably don't know a ton about what's going on up there because everything's so shifted right um, yeah i mean and then, yeah and all this stuff i mean looking into this topic turns you into kind of like an everything is an op kind of person as as i've demonstrated today um <laughs> like because everything looks like it's some kind of like psyop or like some kind of like cover-up for some kind of technology um like anything to do with ufos or like it all looked like from at least in this like subculture of the ufo field yeah it, it all looks like um yeah like like trickery and like cover-ups yeah it's really easy to fall into that mindset in general you know yeah right just whatever you're looking at it's like how do you trust it right yeah well, it's um, hard to look for anything solid um because you have like you mentioned the intentional masking and cover-ups by intelligence or by the departments of defense from each nation um and then you also have all these you know strange people who are involved um and then things are also spread out over a continent you know spread out into space so it just gets blurry right. it's hard to look for clear lineages but we're doing the best we can here totally. i think i think it's interesting to me how these pseudo historical lineages get mapped out and become new mythologies you know yeah yeah and I think we're seeing one of those develop right now. You're, you're listening to that Michael Salas book, right? Mm -hmm. The audio book. I think we're seeing a, a mythology. I mean, like, yeah, being created with the whole, like, Corey Good, um, yeah, thing. And, like, the exopolitics thing has kind of, like, developed its own dogma, which isn't to say that that book isn't useful um, in gathering, like, all this disparate stuff about... Uh, like post World War Two Nazi infiltration. Yeah, the book um, that um, Ben is talking about is Antarctica's Hidden History: um, Corporate Foundations of Secret Space Programs by Doctor Michael Sala. Um, <laughs> His wife is a associate of what's that guy's name? <laughs> the, the Gazer, the, um, the dude who gazes. Yeah, what is his name? Like Baco like, or something? Brock Bracho. Bra he who like who's this like croatian dude who's like it's like really, stairs yeah he's so goofy looking too yeah he's and cool. people are just like all these like, like yeah. middle-aged women just weep when this dude like stares at it <laughs> he looks he, like yeah. like a shittier fabio yeah. <laughs> uh, it's really he's, cool yeah I, I really recommend looking up uh yeah Bra bracho braco but yeah i don't know this book is kind of driving me insane and this whole topic it's like, all right, great. Now for the next fucking month, I have to allocate like a large portion of my brain to thinking about this like global uh, interdimensional conspiracy <laughs> that I will never yeah. know if any of it is at all true, you know, and I have to like interrogate it from these different angles. But yeah. 
and the the book is kind of a microcosm of that because this book has super it, it, it compiles like a lot of really interesting information especially about the corporate funding of the third reich even before the fall um and before the end of world war ii and a lot of the involvement of american corporations and multinational corporations basically just because it was beneficial to them and then there's also um before the fall um all of the assets were moved out of nazi germany basically um you know guided by um the dulles brothers law firm which is uh sullivan cromwell um, they were basically instructed on how to remove the assets and then put these assets in different countries. And um, it's like, is there is there a, like a an agenda here to that is beneficial to the Third Reich, or is it just because it's benefiting these multinational corporate interests and American corporations by getting these assets bonded uh, into yeah. their companies? You know, so it's I think yeah, it's just that dense. Of a it, thing. Yeah, it's so crazy. Yeah. I'm also I'm reading Gravity's Rainbow right now and it's which I guess I should have read a long time ago, but you know, what don't like don't judge me, you know. But <laughs> um and it's amazing, it's this great book, and so much of this like stuff that's coming up about Antarctica, which I thought was kind of a random interesting, hollow earthy topic, but now it's like it's all like linking up like to this stuff I'm reading in Gravity's Rainbow about like rocket stuff and propulsion um right right i think the american funding of of some of nazi germany at least and not america the government necessarily but america like ford and corporatists i think they uh it's a good argument for like this really annoying myth that there's like this german ingenuity that like just kind of like gave them this like overwhelming force Whereas what they really had was like extreme funding from like yep. all over the world. Mm-hmm. It's not because like Germans are like born with like this amazing. <laughs> just like it's like well, it would. People always say that they're just like yeah, this that German stuff, and it's like no, it's not. It's it's like Henry Ford's millions. <laughs> yeah, like how would this country have logistically mobilized after being completely bankrupt at the end of World War One? Well, they did it <laughs> right. They yeah, they were enabled through essentially breaking away. Um, and then getting funding from the United States and other countries, but right. like well, I said, not, not necessarily the the U.S. as an entity. Well, American corporations, right? Yeah, yeah. American but like, entities. I think it's an important distinction. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. At, at least okay. it was back then. Maybe not today. <laughs> right. Um, it's kind of funny. Did you guys ever watch Lost? Yeah. Oh yeah. No. To me, it seems like lost is just about the entire antarctica <laughs> conspiracy you think so that that deserves an episode or something no i don't think so like oh, i don't think it deserves an episode. interpretation if people watch that show they did if they didn't they don't know what i'm talking about but like that's fair <laughs> to me it, it seems like the the writer's room and jj abrams were just like privy of antarctica conspiracy theory stuff and based- I imagine they were because you have all the different experimentation, you have like the scientific anomalies, you have underground bases, you have defunct underground bases. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just thought that was something interesting to mention because after learning more about 
the Antarctica and and the polar conspiracies. Right. Um, I, I wonder if Lost deserves like a, you know how people will obsessively look over like The Shining or like Twin Peaks for like, I wonder if it because like I remember that scene with the giant feet. Do you remember that from the statue, like an ancient statue? Um, and Lost, and then like they never rings like bell. they yeah. never like followed up on it. There's just like so much stuff that they like, which probably can be attributed to like 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 overzealous creatives in the writer's room mm-hmm. but like you wonder if there's like some kind of like paranoid interpretation that would be fun i don't know i think there's something there but i i wouldn't want to do a show like i don't want to talk about no fic- i don't want to rewatch fiction <laughs> like i don't want to talk about actual fiction i want to talk about things that could be fiction but might not be what about about fiction that could be true but might not be (laughs) exactly yeah that's more our shtick yeah yeah. like uh gravity's rainbow yeah um but yeah and then i mean there's the whole jules verne edgar Allan poe uh lovecraft all these writers who used polar regions as like uh settings or themes for Mm -hmm. their and, you know, Vern actually doing it, a hollow earth story, uh, journey to the center of the earth. Well, it's interesting because th- there's that aspect of fiction. Um, but then it's like, we, we really do know more about the surface of the moon than we do about the seafloor. And we've only drilled like something like four miles into the crust of the earth when it, you know, is like 400 miles deep and then there's a, a whole right. layer of water like you know, i'm not saying they, it's an easy yeah. task but we don't really know a lot about the makeup of our planet i guess like yeah they started drilling and then after about four miles like they started hearing this like screaming the earth was just in pain <laughs> um just kidding that's not true and i made it up but yeah, I, I mean, and maybe they have actually explored the Earth more than they want to. I mean, you never know with any of this stuff. Um, but at least publicly, we don't know anything about the Earth, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that that stuff too. I think in terms of the, the seafloor has probably been pretty mapped out through sonar and stuff like that. Yeah. But in terms of the, the crust and the internal layers of the Earth, I don't think we've gone too deep at all. What's that movie where they where they go into the core? Do you remember that? It was like some like journey to the center of the earth. No, they're like they. It's like they actually they drill into the Earth's core. It's called like drill. <laughs> yeah, drill or like the core. It's like yeah. It's but for some reason I feel like the Rock is in it, but I don't think he is. But like someone who in my mind reminds me of the Rock. The Rock is in the Journey to the Center of the Earth remake. Okay, so that's probably where I'm getting the confusion. I don't know what it's called. Mm-hmm. It's like, but anyway, yeah, there's all this fiction about trying to understand our core or like that the fact that we we don't understand it and that like something else is happening there. Um, so it's one of those things that that keeps popping up. It's like an archetype, uh, and it's always engaging. Like it's it's like it's endlessly. Um, what's the word it's like endlessly usable as material yeah so i think that gives it like an archetypal character 
Um, yeah, um, I think it's interesting how much of a military presence there's been in in Antarctica since um, high jump and deep freeze, an international yeah. one. Um, there's essentially that treaty I think that was shortly after World War II where there was an international treaty not to conduct military <laughs> testing in Antarctica yeah. and like every country, every like major military presence like basically broke that treaty. <laughs> yeah. Well, what else would they do? Um uh yeah. I think it's uh yeah, every once in a while you read like a news story about some like new mission to the South Pole mm-hmm. um, or like you hear a, like a news story about like, like, uh, like, like scientists, like something crazy happening with the scientists who like are isolated there. Like, like, you know, like chlamydia outbreak at the South Polar Research Station, you know, like, uh I can't, there was even something recently about like coronavirus um, and the way that the people in these like super isolated places are reacting to that. I think we lost Mike. Yeah. Well, do you remember like the lake, um, the Lake Vostok stuff? Yeah, vaguely. Um, Yeah, where there was like a giant um, pond that was hidden under a huge layer of ice and there's all these like prehistoric species in there and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so do you guys think? What do you guys think happened with Bird? Do you? Th- I mean, it's. I think it's interesting that the um that high jump apparently was like mostly masons. <laughs> Did you guys hear that? Like four, yeah, like mostly the crew, yeah. Yeah, most of the crew was like Freemasons. Yeah, the Freemason mm. stuff is so interesting. Yeah. Um. Another like thing because like the Nazis hated them, but yeah, they're like they're all over the the halls of power of the U.S. and yeah, you you wonder how much like all these like different weird power societies really do hate each other. Yeah, um, it's interesting because I think in filming the expeditions and stuff, they try and make it seem like it's just a very normal um, American discovery or reconnaissance um, expedition. But then wh- why is there this like esoteric society having such a strong <laughs> presence in it, you know? Right. And like naming it seven, 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 or like, like putting their fez down with like the little Mason sign on it. Yeah. Mm. All this like, and there's that stuff's all over exploration and like military stuff, all this. I mean, as any conspiracy, like novice will tell you, it's like all the, all the code names and stuff, like yeah, you know, all that right. stuff with NASA and, and stuff. Right? Yeah, especially NASA. Yeah. I know. Shroud of secrecy. Yeah. Yeah. This is about to. We're about to go down some like flat Earther territory, but yeah, I, I oh, do. Yeah. The flat I, Earth is maybe as a counterpoint to the hollow Earth because we were talking about the, the other day, like what that, like why the flat Earth is so like popular now, but the hollow Earth was so popular. Uh, like a hundred years ago, I think the Hollow Earth is like cooler. Um, it is. We are the Hollow Men. Yeah, you know? 
think it's also more reasonable. <laughs> right. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, uh, you know, cave dwelling societies. Why not? Right. Right. And yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be literally true to be like uh, within the realm of scientific possibility. Because I feel like when people critique it, they're like, well, based on the on gravity, the earth would collapse if it was hollow. And it's like, you don't necessarily mean it's like hollow, hollow. Exactly. Yeah. That's, right. that's yeah. what I think is interesting about it. Like there are these massive caverns. I mean, that's the whole um, uh, Hellier and Pennyroyal thing is that underneath right. Kentucky, you can, you can make your way through the mammoth cave from like state side to state side almost, you know, which is insane. Right. Just right under Kentucky. Um, yeah, and who's to say that there aren't goblins running around there? <laughs> totally, and there's uh, a lot of people to say that there are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's about to be a podcast about a podcast about a right. TV show. <laughs> about a show. Yeah. yeah, about a state. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I I think it's interesting. Like the whole Hollow Earth thing is does seem to have a very primordial connection with like inner earth caverns and 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 then there's like the it 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 all goes back to like cave painting and stuff you know like the first time that man started to represent things was in caverns you know the for almost probably the first time we had a relationship with you know recorded language or written language was these shamans in in these caves um by torch lanterns, you know, like putting handprints on walls and stuff. So there's just this right. connection to caves, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, there is. And there's, you know, of course there's psychological things you could say about that. Like the interest in caves as like a safe place. Um, oh, is it safe? I mean, the, the hollow earth to me, like is shrouded. <laughs> right. The in hollow mystery. earth is scary. Yeah. But I mean, like, like early man living in like not like caves that lead into like lead into the earth, but like, yeah, you know, like as like a place like in the first homes were like maybe caves, although, you know. Do you um, isn't there so with Bird? I know on the there's like a TV interview with him where he's being interviewed on a television show, and that's where he says something peculiar about wanting to go back to the green land right. beyond the ice. Yeah. I mean, what if he's just talking about like Greenland, <laughs> the place? No, I don't, I mean, it's not framed like that. No, I, I know it's not, but that yeah. would be the, the go-to explanation, I think, for people trying to explain it away. I mean, yeah, that's a really cryptic thing no, to say, isn't it? He's talking about like a lush portion I know, yeah. of yeah, the yeah, pole yeah. right there's there's some place within antarctica that is like not covered in ice it's yeah. like pretty known right maybe it's that yeah i hope well i, I hope think he was being serious i think he might have said this um yeah i guess about the solo flight maybe in antarctica it was that one but i mean then you also have um like people talking about woolly mammoths being found and being um, dissected and they find vegetation that isn't proportionate to a land covered in ice. They find them in Antarctica or where like they find them in polar regions. Yeah. Yeah. 
no, I mean, that's, and that goes back to all the, that ancient folklore and philosophy about like a golden age or whatever. Yeah. Or pre, um, yeah, like a shifted continent that was. Or axis. Um, and then that even ties in a little, not totally, but a little bit to like Velikovsky's like great earth catastrophe theories, like um, how the moon was created, like all that, all that stuff, um, which looks better and better over the years, which is interesting because he was like criticized as like a kook and like a pseudoscientist, but some of his stuff has been borne out in interesting ways. Is he the one who says that the moon uh, is like artificially made to keep the earth balanced? No, I think it was more like uh, the the moon is a result of, or there was some kind of catastrophe about like uh, something that like hit the earth that created the moon. Like he had a right. bunch oh, of yeah, yeah. a bunch of theories, um, but I don't think he was like he wasn't like an ancient astronaut, like alien dude. He was like uh, just a, a scientist who went against like geological common sense or whatever. Um, so do you guys think that Admiral Byrd, um, what do you think he saw? Like from what do you, what do you gather from what you've read? I mean, I know that it's like, it's all so thin that it's just like, you know, it's hard to make any sort of hypothesis about it, but, what do you think? Do you think he just didn't make it to the pole and just fabricated some stuff? Um, I bet he did. Uh, or or something happened that was like even weirder. Like there might be like some total diversion that has nothing to do with any of this that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, which may have been like some kind of alien contact or some kind of weird um, ancient civilization like he may have seen, like ruins. Who knows? Yeah. I, like I don't know if he necessarily, I don't know if like yeah, if there's necessarily like he saw an entrance to the hollow earth, but he is, yeah, he was a weird enough dude that I bet there's some really strange hidden aspects of his trips. Yeah, he seems that way. He seems very shrouded in, in I mean, like the. And a 33rd degree Mason's pretty high. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, yeah. Like, I think I. I think he saw a lot of potential for either his uh, fraternity or for the military-industrial complex. Damn, maybe both. Yeah, I think that's pretty yeah. apt. I to me, I think he definitely saw things that he didn't expect. Um, yeah, and I think you know one of the things that he saw that he didn't expect was probably like massive, massive caverns and entrances to like ice caverns and stuff like that. Right. Um, and then, you know, I'm sure there was some crazy anomalous stuff that had happened to just making flights out there. Like totally and, magnetic stuff. Yeah. And your, your energy is probably got to be crazy. Just like you're, you're flying into the unknown essentially, you know, like, right. I don't know. There's got to be a lot going on there. Um, but I guess we'll never really totally know. I mean, that's what's so interesting about the, <laughs> Probably not. the polar conspiracies is like, we'll never go there. You can't go there. You can't access that. Like, we won't get access to go to McMurda and right. <laughs> like explore. It's... Even if you wanted to, like, you could die just walking 20 feet out from the base, you know? That's yeah, what, I know. 
I think makes this stuff really interesting is people can project mythologies and stories onto this continent. Totally. Oh, we can't we can't go without mentioning uh, Carpenter's The Thing, right? Right. Yeah. As like a yep an example of our polar like obsession uh, in like contemporary cinema. Um, the fact, and I think in the X Files too. Maybe I'm wrong. Doesn't like a UFO crash at the pole? Um, I don't remember that one specifically, but I'm sure they have multiple episodes out of poles. They'd have to, right? Yeah. So it's, yeah. Which, that doesn't prove anything. I mean, unless you think that, like, John Carpenter is, like, connected to secret space intelligence. but Which, like, maybe. Perhaps. I don't don't think so. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think so. Kubrick, Kubrick probably, but not John Carpenter, yeah. I don't think (laughs) Just because he's too much of a regular Joe? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he's like, I'm just John Carpenter. I, I, you know, I wrote the thing. I did the soundtrack too. You know. <laughs> yeah, that is. That's what he seems like. Yeah. Um, uh, I think if you want to hide anything, the best place to hide it is going to be on the moon, or at the bottom of the ocean, or in Antarctica, right? Or in course. the hollow earth. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I hide my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um. um Man, there was something else I wanted to say about this, and I just it just left my mind. Fuck, I should. Well, there's so much, and and since we're trying to do like a a sort of a mini series on it, we don't have to get everything out. I'm sure stuff will come to us. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. And next episode's gonna be Nazi heavy um, because it's to me it's so strange that like I mentioned before that there was this concerted effort to go to Antarctica and we had a a military or a naval response to it, you know, and then people talk about, um, conflict happening there too, which is something we'll get into. And, and it's so weird to me that there was, you know, a massive war happening in the continent of Europe, but there's these two, pretty substantial naval efforts going down there and like yeah doing things you know it's it's really weird and there you have to try and uncover something there so we got to look into that a lot further um totally i think a big part of that is tracing the funding too which is gets wild and yeah that's like might be slightly above our pay grade but for sure i think it's worth doing uh a little bit of it at least because that's i mean you're gonna get all kinds of crazy uh military private military stuff like even happening today uh right and like spacex shit about yep all this like uh exploration as like an excuse to plant like either weapons or surveillance is really interesting always i mean it's always sure it always has to do with um military advantage i think and like pretty much different like logistic advantage um yeah i don't know yeah it's it's crazy (laughs) even like yeah it's like even like pre-modern feats of exploration are like never what what the history sort of says that they were like there, there was always like a tactical reason for, for it happening. They were never about like, we have to find out what's here. It's always like, 
you know, we need to go kill some people and take <laughs> their stuff or being here will allow us to defend ourselves against, you know, like all this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and depending on who you listen to, Admiral Byrd was in a fucking dog fight against UFOs in Antarctica. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Chased out of the earth by technology the that we know for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is, this is the only thing we know. For sure. <laughs> a dog fight against the Nazi bell saucers that were passed down through the draconians. Right. But what I thought a bird was like a crypto Nazi. I think that's why he survived to not tell the story. <laughs> Right, they just they <laughs> pretended to chase him. They're like, just pretend. I think it was just a show of force, much like right. the 1952 DC flyover. Oh yeah, you wanted to right, get that in right. here. <laughs> I just have. You to... think those were Nazis? You think they were like the the Argentinian Nazis or whatever? I don't know, Ben. That's our. Uh, that's just a teaser for. Episode two of The Land Beyond. What are we calling this one? The Hole in the Pole? The Hole in the Pole. Are you doing reverb? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't think anybody else can hear it. I know. You, well, you guys can't, but everybody oh. listening can. Oh, no. Now I sound <laughs> like I don't understand reverb. <laughs> uh, well. Um. Yeah, I think we should cut this one. Um, and cool. you know, we're gonna put on our Nazi hats. For the next uh, it'll like it'll oh, burn me if I put it on. God, I know. Just kidding. I guess Ben Shapiro wears one. Yeah, I guess I could probably manage. Um, yeah, uh, that's gonna be it for us on this one. But we'll be back soon because we're diving deep and we're, we're going. We're trying to go down the hole in the North Pole and come out the South, you know, relatively just fast. surface layer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> We're barely, barely past the first uh, concentric sphere. Yeah. I started thinking about today what topics we're going to do after this one. And I'm like, man, I can't wait to queue up some like uh, Atlantean conjuring softball where I don't have to like be fucking damned about like nazi bases in antarctica <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's no fun yeah. uh but it is it's interesting you know and it if you want to know anything about this stuff you can't just ignore the, the nazis no uh, i mean it's 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 significant like this what happened here like to me is is really crazy operation high jump operation deep freeze and the german yeah. expedition neuschwabenland um there's something going on there and then it starts it um snowballs <laughs> it oh, snowballs man. a whole a whole thing which you know there's still a lot going on there today there's still a ton of scientific research happening in remote parts of the world that happen to be covered in ice I mean, right. I think another thing that we're going to have to talk about is HARP. Um, HARP. And, yes. you know, HARP could be completely benign. It's probably likely that it's benign, but it's still strange. Um, and I still think we have to get into talking about it. But I didn't know, like, a couple years ago, um, I guess there was an FBI intercept or something about two dudes, like, 
Alex Jones disciples wanting to go to harp with like AKs and, and explosives <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. But they could just like turn harp up and then those guys will like get turned into like jello. Harp zombies. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Harp is, uh, should we, what is, and I don't even, I don't remember the acronym, but that's an interesting subject. That'll be good to get into. Yeah. It's kind of a classic paranormal forum topic. Yeah, yeah harp's super interesting. Shooting lasers into the ionosphere and raising and lowering them. Right, it's right. Wild, right. wild technology. Changing the temperature by vibrating <laughs> yeah, the ionosphere right. is pretty wild. Uh, weather control implications, like, obviously. Right. Yeah. Um, a lot of people often link it to that. You know that, like, slightly schizophrenic type thing called Morgellons? Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's like people will find these like fibers in their in their skin, right? You know what I'm talking like. That's do, always yeah. tied in with with harp. Really? Um, I didn't I didn't rec- I didn't realize that. Yeah, there's Alina. I think it's Alina or Alana. Uh, Alina Freeland. I haven't looked two, too two much books. into Morgellons because it it like it's freaks gross. me out. Yeah. I thought I had it once. <laughs> that's but, uh, Jesus Christ! It was just a hair. Sorry. Ingrown um, hair. Yeah, just a just a, a leg hair. Um it was just my first leg hair. But uh Yeah. That stuff is it's gross and it's like Oh my god. Yeah, I guess we'll have to we'll talk about uh yeah, because I feel like harp gets into the real paranoid end of of this stuff, like mind control via like radi right. like EMF waves, like that's all kind of in the same wheelhouse, right? Definitely. It's it's hilarious because we just did an episode on demonic possession and <laughs> yeah. this episode has got me way more whacked out because this is like yeah. whack, whack this is like wackadoo shit, you know? <laughs> like, and it, it's like literally tinfoil hat like territory. Right, for <laughs> like, sure. I don't want the waves to get in to my yeah. head, so I'm going to wear I guess they want uh, aluminum, but you know, whatever. Maybe that'll be the the tail end of this whole thing because that is uh, getting into harp and yeah. yeah let me let me let me let me think think about the nazis before I think about yeah it's <laughs> right. too much to cover in the next episode about the nazis yeah <laughs> right all oh, right God. that's gonna be it for our last episode before we're all killed by the fourth reich right the secret fourth reich they're like last time we came together we had to kill a president this time we need to assassinate the co-hosts and guests of a podcast. Yeah, of a, of a. I was really nervous about taking the tape off of my cameras today. <laughs> right, this is the first oh, yeah. time my my face is being recorded. That was like a <laughs> a, a ninety year old Brazilian ex Nazi watching you through your laptop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jesus. All well, right, let's get the hell out of here. All right. Uh, we'll yeah, back. Next gonna die anyway. We'll be back. Well, thanks right. for coming on, Mike. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. Sorry, I had technical trouble. <laughs> no, it was great. Um, please join us for the next episode of this very demented saga about the holes in the poles and much more. <laughs> um, yep, listen to us on iTunes, of course, and on YouTube, Stitcher, Podbean, and I think we're on google and amazon at this point too so basically we are wherever 
Whatever you want, listen to us. We're everywhere, much like the blank. The Nazis. Fill in the blank. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, thanks for listening. Yep. Thank you.